Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. It's Monday, feels like here, a little rainy Southern California. We're going to talk some USC football. One week of spring football is in the books, and we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde about what he saw during the first week of practice. If you have any questions or comments for us, and you had sent in a bunch this week already, uh, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. Call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, and click on the left side of the page. Leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. Uh, you can go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. You can rate the show there. You can leave us some feedback, hopefully positive. Of course, you can subscribe to it, so if you want to get updates every time when a new show goes online, you can do that on itunes.com or any of those podcasting apps. And without further ado, let's bring in the coach who was out there on the practice field with me this past week, just taking it all in. He doesn't like to talk to people. He just wants to observe everything that's going on. What's up, coach? How are you? Hey, Ryan. Uh, how you doing, buddy? It's a beautiful day here in Southern California. Three days of spring practice. And uh, believe me, if you're a football player, you're counting them. Twelve more. We got, we got 12 more because it's a grueling time without a really – an opponent to look at, yet it's a time that's very important for you and the team as far as establishing who you are, who I am. Will I give a good impression to the new staff that we have here at USC? There are some carryover coaches, but of course you want to be part of a new uh, lineup. You want to be part of a new era. It's a, it's a new start. So spring practice is uh, important uh, in all of those areas, uh, plus it sort of sets the tone of who you're going to be for this coming opening game in September against the University of Alabama. It certainly does, Coach. And uh, we're going to jump into the schedule of spring football and what you saw the first week, and then we'll get to all the questions. But just want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Been with us for years. Go to sctickets.com, or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287, and they can hook you up. Uh, you want to see the last couple games from Kobe at the Staples Center. Uh, you want to see the Clippers make a playoff run. Baseball is going to get started here pretty soon. Hockey's going on. No USC football for a while. The spring game, but you don't need that for you don't need tickets for that. Well, you actually, you do, but you can just buy them through USC. Uh, but sctickets.com, and they will help you out. Um, coach, okay, so got to check out the first week of spring ball. It's a little weird because they're doing one week, which is a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday practice, um, and then they have a week off. So. Saturday after they left the practice field, they're going on spring break. So they got a bunch of time off, and then they'll come back the following Tuesday. So it's a little weird part of the schedule where, I don't know, you know, practicing three days and then taking like 10 days off, what you think about that. But uh, maybe get your thoughts on the schedule, and then we can kind of talk about what you saw out there on the practice field. Well, it is a little unique. Normally, you don't want to go three days and then immediately take a week off because all the teaching that you've done during that first week, sometimes uh, you've got to go back on the following Tuesday when you come back and sort of review that rather than move forward. 
But uh, obviously, uh, there's been uh, a long look at the schedule with the administration and everyone on what events are happening on campus. When all the late afternoon classes are, where it'd be difficult to maybe go a couple of weeks at four days a week because of lab classes, and they felt that we'd rather have our players at practice than going to class where they can learn on the football field. So because they used to always end uh, the spring with the uh, same day that they had to swim with Mike at the pool, but now that's different this year too. Swim with not Mike is April, I think, the 9th, and the spring game for USC is the 16th. So there's been an adjustment in the schedule uh, for different events, probably on campus and what's going on the best uh, suit, the the football program, the athletic department, the events that are on campus and all of the above. So I'm sure that if uh, Coach Helton had his way, he'd rather go straight through. uh, But because of the academic situation and all of the above, they probably had to make some adjustments. So to me, yes, it's, be better to go all the way through without a break, but uh, it isn't uh, going to make that much of a big difference, I don't think. I think the thing that I'm concerned about, which will make the biggest difference, is what the spring game will be like. Will it be a real spring game where you go after each other and you get something out of it, or will it be a wasted day where you could use that day in a real practice rather than going out there and clowning around and having a circus out there, which they basically have had the last couple of years, and if you've been to the spring game, don't get upset. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't really go out there and see the Trojans in action, full speed, ones against ones, ones against twos, twos against twos, and everything that everybody looks forward to. I'm really looking forward to that more to see what happens than I am as far as the three days and a week off, Brian. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. I don't remember this happening. It's been I, A lot of teams are doing it now the last few years where there's a break in the middle. Um, but yeah, it's just weird to have a break after the first week, but you know, we'll see, see how it goes. It's, you know, I think it also might be a good opportunity for this because it's a new staff and it's Clay Hilton's first time to get three practices in and then sit back and evaluate and be like, all right, this was our plan. Do we want to alter the plan? Cause this is really the first time he's run a spring football practice, obviously. And there's a bunch of new coaches and, um, so I think it, it might be a good opportunity, Coach, for them to go through. They come up with their plan, look at what they've done. They've seen it on the field. They've watched the film and make adjustments. So the last four weeks might be a little more fine-tuned. I, I mean, that could be part of the strategy, too, I guess. It could be, but I think the coaches need to take care of their personal lives, too. You've got some coaches who have moved here and now are part of the new staff. They've got to get their housing in place. They've got to do different things. Coach Helton and the regular staff at USC really hasn't had a break. They went right into recruiting for the bowl game. They've been going, putting their offense together, defense together, continuing with recruiting. So as Coach Clay Helton said, he wants to get away a couple of days with his family and uh, enjoy it a little bit. And I think you've got to recharge your batteries a little bit. Sometimes you need to get away. I remember when I was coaching, I'd go down the halls late at night, and the guys would be working, and I could notice they are working only because I was there. And they, they, they didn't want to go home because they weren't worried about what I was going to think. i just go down, reach in the, around the corner, and turn their light off. And I'd say, it's time to get out of here. Go on home and be with your family, especially if it was Halloween or some special night. when I'd rather let them go home, be with their families, and come in earlier the next morning and, uh, and come in with a good attitude. So there's that time that you need to take a break away from it. I think the kids need to take a break for it. There's a, 
a burnout period that uh, not only uh, reaches the players, but also the coaches. It's good to get away from it. You think about it. You come back with fresh ideas, and you've got more energy again. So, you know, I hope the coaches do do that. Uh, they they should have gone in probably after the 10 o'clock practice on Saturday, looked at all the videos, because you don't want to go away without seeing all the videos of the practice so you can think about in your mind what you accomplished during the first week. Then you can think about what you've got to do when you come back. And I would have probably done that, and I would have done it Sunday too. So when I left, I'd have felt good about being away and not feel guilty. Well, let's talk about what you saw in spring football. And our, our buddy Nick from Cyprus has a, a good opening question, just kind of like a, an overview. Uh, he had a couple of things. The first one is, What's your overall thoughts of week one of practice and who do you think stood out? Uh, what what look, what groups look good? And what was the overall coach's vibe that you saw out there? Well, I think that a lot of this has already been touched, down, uh, touched on because you guys go through it every day. But I think the music change has been one of the biggest uh, correction that they've had. It's more of a football atmosphere out there. And Dan Weber said it, you've said it all your uh, writers have said it. It's, it. When you go out there, it's business. Uh, I used to call it a library with music on. And uh, now it's a football atmosphere. You can hear you can hear the coaches talking. You can hear the kids talking. Uh, it's, it's a football field. And uh, I think that, you know, a lot of coaches play that music. I don't know why you play that music. You don't play it in a classroom when the teacher's trying to give a lecture. So, and teaching is what is practice. It's teaching. You don't have distractions and music and dancing along with what's going on. That, and I, I think the kids should be happy, but I think, again, this is an element of you don't have music during the game. Uh, I mean, yes, you have the band and all of the above, but, you know, that's football atmosphere. This wasn't football atmosphere. So I like that. Moving on, I also observed the coaches uh, as close as I could because a lot of the drills are a long ways away from us, Ryan. You know that. And the other Media people know that, but the drills are able to watch as far as Pendergrass and the linebackers. I think he's really coaching them up. I think he's really working on the techniques. So he's got a lot of discipline. They're in a lot of playing, or playing around going on. They're very intent, and, and they're getting uh, good teaching. And I like uh, Bradford, the defensive secondary coach. I think he's in it. I think he's coaching every down, every play, every individual drill. I think the players have got a lot of respect for him because I think he's he's got a lot of enthusiasm and he really cares about the kids. And if you, you know, you've had some interviews on uh, on some of your websites talking with the kids about the new coaching staff, and you hear a lot of positive things. Uh, the offensive line coach uh, Callaway, I hear parents. I know I'm not supposed to be talking to parents, but parents will just yet say, "Coach, what's going on?" or whatever, and I'll say hi and so on, and they'll say. We really like the new offensive line coach. He really bringing on. Now I'm not asking them. They're they're volunteering that information to me because I'm not supposed to be talking with them. So I just want to make that sure that people understand that. I think that the receivers too uh, are a great group of receivers. I really like the receivers. I can't imagine there'll be two more coming in of uh, uh, in the fall. I really like. I really. Think of two guys that really, well, Schuess has always looked good. But I really think Whitney and I really think Hampton, the two junior college kids, are having a great spring, at least for the first week. I really thought they really stood out. And I thought Pittman, as a young kid wearing number six, got in there and competed and was learning. 
along with the rest of them. I mean, a good group of receivers. They really are. Uh, Tommy Robinson, it's good to see Tommy Robinson back with the offensive backs. And if you remember, we had a little uh, critique before spring practice started, and I thought one of the things they really had to work on was not basically running the football, but pass blocking. I see they're spending some time working on pass blocking, and I'm watching that very carefully to see the techniques that are being taught. And it was something that they worked on uh, every day. So I think that's something that's very, very important. Now, the offensive line, which is where it's all happening, the defensive line, as you and I both know and all of our listeners know, I had very little chance to even see them. And I know that you guys have been writing about it and so on, uh, and and people would say they're happy about what's going on. But I can't give an opinion because when they did all their team drills, basically, 11 on 11, they weren't on field. They were way over on the other side on the other field doing the run drills and, and one-on-ones against the defense. And the offensive line is way up in the other corner where we can't go over to Dado Field and get on the press box and look. So I'm not going to give a statement on how they look because I really can't give you any type of a statement on how the offensive line looks. But I like the idea of Pentagrass bringing speed off the edge. I like the idea of playing the linebackers outside who is playing out there, Gustin and Ruffin and those guys that have come off the edge with great speed, but they know you have to have great containment and you got to be able to get to the quarterback. So I like that idea, and I, and I hear and I understand the defensive line is performing well and the offensive line they're, they're happy with. But I can't tell you my opinion because I haven't seen them. That's the honest statement. I haven't been able to evaluate them. So I think that sort of evaluates everything but the quarterback position. And I thought uh, Max Brown, uh, performed well, and you know everybody always wants to point out the negative as far as he threw three interceptions, or he did this, or he threw short, or he did this, or whatever. But I think the secondary is so more organized than what it's ever been before that it's more difficult to throw into that secondary. I think they're playing well. They're sound. They're not just running all over the field and wondering what's going on. So it's a more difficult situation, especially when you go seven on seven. Hey, they know it's a pass. It's more difficult to throw the ball. I mean, they know it's a pass. They don't have to worry about play action. They don't have to worry about run. So they're dropping back and, and doing what they're supposed to do, and it's very difficult uh, the way you complete the ball. you got to throw it in a very small window. And one of the windows they've been throwing it to, a lot is the drag across the, the middle of the field, the short drag to the tight end or a receiver coming across because they throw in the ball in front of the linebackers. But... Uh, you know, uh, uh, so rather than give a negative approach as far as the interceptions being thrown, look at it as also a positive approach as far as the defensive secondary being improved. So I think I sort of covered it all quickly. Yeah. Well, and, and the second part of his question was about the offensive and defensive lines. But like you said, it's really just a you know, when you walk into the practice field, just so people know, if you're on Howard Jones Field, if you go immediately to the left, which is the probably from like the 20-yard line to the the end zone, that little area is where the media can go. So that's where we kind of watch practice from. Um, to the right is where fans and family members can go. So you kind of get the you know, bulk of the, the rest of the practice field, uh, maybe from the 50 on to the other end zone. Uh, but then across the, the, the field from that is kind of that little corner where they do a lot of the rehab stuff. But that's where the offensive linemen are a lot. So the fans and family members can kind of see the offensive linemen a little bit better, but they're still pretty far away. 
the defensive linemen, they're on Brian Kennedy Field on the far corner. So the the fans and um, and uh, family members can't see that at all. And it's really hard for us to see it. There's usually people kind of walking in the way. And in that area is where they do a lot of the team drills too. So they're about as far away from, definitely far away from the family and uh, and uh, friend, you know, and the, the fans and pretty far away from us with a lot of people in the way. So like I said, it's just like, like coach said, it's just hard to, to evaluate linemen at this point. One, there's only been one padded practice and two, Usually the linemen are so far away from us and there's people in the way to, to, you know, it just blocks your view. So it's just really tough to give some sort of evaluation. Usually when they do a practice in the Coliseum, then we can kind of sit in the stands. You get a much better view. But just from the first three, I don't think you can give like a an honest evaluation or an accurate one of what you've seen with the offensive defensive linemen just because you haven't seen very much. Right, I agree with you. And I have this question. I know a lot of people think sometimes they get negative, but, you know, I just try to be honest. Why is it, I'll ask you this question, Ryan, why is it on game day they put us in the press box, feed us, give us the best seat in the house, give us staff, the program, everything. And on practice day, they put us where we can't see anything. (laughs) To me, it just doesn't make sense. It would think that you'd want to treat the media where they can accurately report what they see, not guess at what they're seeing, and, and just be a part of it all. Not that we're better than anyone else, but so many people don't go to practice that depend on the media as far as passing on to them what they want to know. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, and I think there's a couple of things there, Coach. We used to be able to walk all around um, you know, during the Pete Carroll era and stuff. So really the compliance issue, and it's funny, when you talk about NCAA rules, I mean, it's they're basically, it's all, you know, uh, legalese stuff. And so different universities interpret rules differently. So USC has a very um, strict, uh, you know, very conservative view of these NCAA rules. And they take it to the nth degree because of the sanctions and everything. And it doesn't seem to be getting a lot better. There've been a little bit, you know, where they've opened things up at like the rising stars camp where people can kind of go now and check things out. Um, there, but, for the most part, they, they're really focused on they don't want media talking to family members of the players. They don't want media talking to certainly recruits, which is a weird thing, too, because there's other universities that will allow media to talk to prospects that are on campus at the time. USC is like, don't take pictures of them. Don't look at them. So it's just the way they interpret the rule. They're, they're trying to protect. They just don't want they want to be compliant with the NCAA. And they're being very conservative about that. But keep it, you know, it's hard because you keep it in a little pen. The one thing that I think you could do, I, you know, I get all that. I don't agree with their interpretations because I talk to a lot of other universities and how they interpret the rules. And it can't be that different from one to the other. But being, you know, hit by those sanctions really hard, I can see why you'd want to take a more conservative approach. But the issue I have, Coach, is that there is a huge field right in front of us. They just don't ever seem to practice there like the linebackers do sometime. But for whatever reason, they're always practicing on the, the far corners of the field. It makes it. And, you know, it's not just about the media. If you're a family member, if you're a, a defensive lineman's dad, you never see your son. Like, why would you come to practice? Because he's always so far away from where you have to stand. And, you know, there's people that know us and they want to come over and say hello. And then they, the, the security people will tell them, nope, you can't talk to them. It's just this weird – it's just a little too weird for me to, to be there. I mean, appreciate the access and, I, you know, we, we can do our job and it's, you don't want to hear, you know, boo-hoo – 
the media. But I do feel bad for a lot of the the fans and the the families of the players. I mean, if you're a def- like I said, you're a defensive lineman's father or mother or brother or sister, you're never going to see your son or daughter. I mean, your not daughter, your son or your brother play because they're always so far away. And that's when they do all individual drills. The offensive line goes down to the same spot. So you never see anything. You can't evaluate anything, but that's the way it goes. So uh, I guess that we made our comments on uh, what happened the first uh, week of practice. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. We had one from Tarek. He said, "What from what you've seen so far, do you think that USC is going to be a run-first team like Clay Helton originally alluded to? Well, it's difficult for me to uh, – give you that evaluation so early uh, in spring practice. Uh, as far as the offense is concerned, I think basically it's the same offense. I, I haven't seen any major uh, changes so far as far as that I could say, oh, that's a new play. or you know. And I know it's only three days. So there's the eye, there's two backs or whatever. And, and I haven't seen real emphasis. I see the run drills are going on. Uh, down with that again that's a long ways away from us to evaluate anything you see basically because you can't see over the heads of anybody to see what the action is in the backfield but i certainly hope it is i I just hope it is um i i was i was commenting on a couple of with a couple of people ryan maybe you were one of them uh at the end of practice uh, after the first week i was standing there right on the goal line which is about where we normally stand on the on the uh west east side field that runs north and south and i said you see this line here the guy said yeah i said that's the goal line but it's really the gold line that line means so much more than all the other lines on this football field those other lines mean nothing it's this one right here and the way i used to end spring drills or end a week of practice in the spring is i'd put the ball like on the four yard line and i'd say there's a gold line all these other lines don't mean anything, but when you get near this line, you got to get across that line. And you go in and you give them like eight plays or ten plays or whatever it is, and there's no repeat, and you go for it. You see how many scores you can score, and if the defense stops you, it stops you, and they get points for that. And basically, I don't want them to throw the ball down there. I want to keep them honest on the defensive side of the ball. I want to run the football over. And I think it's somewhat of a toughness drill, too, and a pride drill. That's a great way to end practice. Now, I know they ended it a different way on Saturday, but that one line on the field is so much different than all the other lines. And you've got to get across that line, or it doesn't make any difference how many lines you cross getting to that line, because that's the line that makes a difference in the football game. The gold line. I don't think I've heard that one from you, Coach. So, I'll, uh, oh, that's I'll, a new one. That's yeah, new one. I like that. No, that's good. And they, they, the way they end up practice usually is they do five plays, like competitive plays, offensive, def, you know, offense versus defense. And, you know, you got to get three out of five to win. So I, I like that, that kind of aspect of it that they, uh, you know, finish practice in that competitive, uh, competitive way. Um, okay. We got a couple of these kind of like off the wall ones we'll go to. Uh, Marcel from Diamond Bar. He said, I heard recently that David Shaw does not believe seven on seven is real football. What is Coach Hyde's position on that? And are teams just doing, and are the teams just doing seven on seven because it's popular versus teaching fundamentals? Love the show. Fight on for Marcel. And I'm not sure if he's talking about seven on seven in practice, which I think is necessary because you get the linemen doing their one on ones at that point. 
or if he's talking about the recruiting side where there's so many seven-on-seven tournaments outside of the high school football season? Well, either one. Uh, first of all, uh, you can learn to play as a unit, and you uh, have to do the right things, and you should be going 100% no matter what the route is called. You finish the, the route, uh, and uh, I think it's really good. It teaches you how to read and, and how to read secondaries as far as the quarterback reading to and learning who the receivers are. Uh, I have always felt the defense has an advantage on this because they know it's going to be bad. And I think that the offense can be successful. It's probably because the read was perfectly done right, the ball was thrown perfectly, or the defense made a mistake. And I think it's really important to have this type of competition. And I think it, it's it's good for the quarterback, the receivers. It's great for the defensive backs to have all of this on tape and film so that you can break it down and say, see, on this you should have done that, and, and this you should have done that. It's a way of teaching. And I think it's very important that you have seven-on-seven seven, as you have the inside-run drill and the outside-run drill and, and you tape all of the, 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 the blocking schemes for receivers and defensive backs as far as getting off the block or, or making a block. I think all this is very important. Uh, we used to mix in occasionally a draw just to keep people honest. And we used to have a draw pass a series where you fake the draw and then throw the ball. You hope the linebackers would step up and you'd hit the tight end or, or something like that just to keep people in uh uh, you know, honest somewhat, and we'd always have a buzzer, which meant we'd give them so much time to throw the football, which means uh, when you drop back, the quarterback just can't stand back there and, and have all day to throw the football. That's an advantage. Nobody's rushing him. So after a certain period of time, the horn would blow or a buzzer would blow, and the quarterback stopped. I got sacked. It's, it's, you know, I don't have all day to throw the football. I haven't seen that, but I think it's very important that you do that because then the quarterback understands the timing of how quick he has to get the ball off and how long he has, depending on what the route is. It's it's always synchronized with the, the horn or the buzzer or whatever you have. So I, I think seven-on-seven seven is important. I think it teaches you to compete. It teaches you to catch the football in the middle. You can't anticipate a hit, yet you don't get hit during this drill. But I always thought it was important you wore helmets during this drill. Uh, sometimes you run seven-on-seven seven, uh, in, in workouts in the summer and, and different times and, and camps, and you don't wear helmets. You wear some type of padded, uh, I don't know what they call those things now that they wear, but I think it's very, very important that you wear helmets during this drill because you don't certainly want to hurt yourself uh, by getting hit in the head accidentally. So I, I like seven-on-seven. Seven. We did it every day. We had to do it every day, uh, especially when we got ready for games. The scout team would run the secondary calls of what the opponents ran, and we'd go against it every day to become familiar with it, the different coverages. But you got to do that as well as you do all your other drills. All right, and then we're going to end uh, with, with Reggie, who wrote in. I think he wrote in just around the time we were doing the podcast last week. And uh... – He's uh let's just say he's not a huge fan of yours, coach, but we want to give we 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 welcome all comments, we welcome all opinions. So I want to read kind of what he wrote and then uh get your opinions on that. He says, as usual, Coach Harvey Hyde appears to have all the answers. He knows what SC football should look like. I certainly hope we can live up to the coach Coach Hyde's expectations. 
This is from a, a retired former coach sitting in his living room on Sunday mornings telling the world what he saw right with USC football and what he would do differently. You probably guess it by now, but I'm not a big fan of Harvey Hyde. I still listen to the podcast, but I wouldn't bother to have uh but it wouldn't bother me to have less of this guy on the podcast. Man, not a fan. That's from Reggie. But he said, a follow-up to my email. Can you ask Coach Hyde what he feels that is necessary to change everything? Why it's necessary to change everything? I mean, yes, there have been some poor history at SC, but does that mean you have to change everything? Even the things that weren't broken. When you change coaches, it doesn't mean you have to change every aspect of the previous program. Why not change the things that need to be fixed? I think that's ridiculous to assume that everything from the way uh, that everything from the way the team works out to the way they take the field needs to be changed. You would think for listening to coach that the entire program was broken. Come on. This guy obviously has too much time on his hands these days. Wow. Okay. That's from Reggie. What do you think, Coach? Well, Reggie, uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, checking in with us and giving your opinion because uh, uh, obviously uh, you're listening. You don't agree with me on everything, but I don't think I've said change everything. I think what I basically have said is say things they need to improve on or things that I don't know, Reg, did you play music at your practice when you coached? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I mentioned that isn't something that I would do. Now, maybe you would do it. Maybe if you were the coach at USC, you wouldn't change anything that Steve Sarkeesian did or Lane Kiffin did or Pete Carroll did or anything. But, but I would think you have some of your own philosophies and some of the things that were successful to you to become the coach at USC. And basically, I'm not the coach at USC. I wish someday I, I would have had the opportunity. I almost became the offensive line coach at USC at one time when John McKay was there. Rod Humanek uh, got the job from Fullerton College when I was the coach at Pasadena City College, and congratulations to him. But I basically just try to tell you, Reggie, what I see and what I think about what's going on with the football program as far as whether it's a practice or a game how I look at it, uh, yes, it's a lot easier to do it the day after because you're not in the heat of the contest, and you know that too as a football coach. Uh, it's easy when you can look back and, you, and, you, and after the game say what you should have done. I agree with you 100% on that. That really is easy. And I was uh, in a meeting this last week with a bunch of coaches, uh, Terry Donahue and others, and, uh, and when I introduced myself, I said I'm a retired football coach who all of a sudden, after going on radio and doing radio shows, became an expert. I wasn't an expert when I was a coach, but all of a sudden now I'm an expert. So I'm not an expert. I'm just somebody who's coached a game on all levels, high school, community college, uh, Division One, and uh, had the opportunity of coaching in the NFL but did not do that. And I just try to take my 25 years of coaching and try to – give it to you as how I see it. Yet I respect every single thing you say, and uh, I wish you would be a little bit more specific so I would know what certain things you disagree with so we could discuss it. So, Reggie, I, I'm inviting you to challenge uh, on some of the things you disagree with me on so that I can say you're right or you're wrong or maybe you did it that way, but I wouldn't do it that way. And that's the way I look at it, Reggie. So, buddy, uh, I'm sorry you dislike uh, what I say, and I'm sorry you listen to the podcast when I'm on, <laughs> and I'm sorry that you uh, you feel that way, but uh, I thank you for listening. That's the best way to say it. You know, it's funny. He does have a follow-up, so we'll be able to – we'll get into one specific thing. 
Um, but I just want to let people know too. Um, you know, people, I get that all. We, it's, it's funny. You, you can be a little polarizing coach. We get a lot of positive feedback. People love you. People sending questions to you specifically for you all the time. And then we get some people like Reggie will write in every once in a while too. And, uh, it's funny when people are like, well, what, you know, he was a coach at UNLV and the people are like, well, why are you listening to me? Like I played club volleyball at USC. Like I never, <laughs> I never played organized football, but what we do is we've been around it a long time. And we go to practice and we watch and we observe, we talk to players, talk to coaches, and we base opinions on that. And for someone like, for, for like you coach, who's had so much experience with playing and coaching and being around these guys and, and, you know, doing USC's, you know, pregame shows, postgame shows and, and all the stuff that you've had to do. It's funny when people kind of question that. I'm like, look, if you want to question coach Hyde, I mean, I got like, you know, he's got more football knowledge as a little pinky than I have in my whole body. So I don't know why, I don't know where that kind of comes from sometimes. It's like, who is the only person capable of being a USC football analyst? Pete Carroll, because he won a national championship. Like, it, that's really just not the way it works. Um, and like I said, you know, I've coached some club volleyball at the, the, the college level. That's my, that's my coaching resume. That's about as far as it goes. So if you're not going to listen to Coach Hyde, you probably shouldn't listen to me either, I would guess. No, no, I, you know, and, and Ryan, let me tell you, you work so hard and I respect you for that. You know that you're, you're in everything. You're working so hard, doing your very best to give everybody exposure to behind the scenes and what's happening in recruiting and spring practice and fall football. I tell you, I love looking at your website. I, I really do and enjoy reading it. And I gather a lot of information on players and their backgrounds and what's going on. And I don't mind people being critical at, at all. I mean, I don't tell people, how many times we went to bowl games or coach of the year or hall of fames or any of that stuff. I don't talk about that. All I want to talk about is what I see as an individual, how I can give you my opinion on what's going on. I respect your opinion 100%. And, uh, I want you to keep listening. Whether you like what I say, you don't like what I say. That way you can form your opinion. And when you watch the team play, or if you go to practice, you can agree with what you see. or You don't agree with what we say. So see, so, Hey, Reg, I have no hard feelings. Every time you want to call in or rip my butt or do anything you want to do, <laughs> hey, I got big shoulders, okay? I've heard it all, buddy. I've heard it all. And you know that as a coach. The, uh, he, okay, so we'll end on this one. He had one last thing. So it was, he was talking about when you said that you think Dory Jackson should focus on one side of the football. He said, my question is, had you recruited uh, Dory Jackson and he expressed a desire to play on both sides of the ball, would you honor that commitment or would you force Jackson to play one side of the ball once he got to campus? I would honor my his commitment. I would honor it a hundred percent, but I'd also try to explain to him why it's so important that he becomes good at one thing, but he's not going to do that in the NFL. I want you to know that right now. And when do you want to go in the NFL? Do you want to go in the first round? Do you want to go in the second round? Do you want to be a free agent? What do you, what do you want to do? I want you to be the best at what you do. And uh, and I think it's very, very important that you do that. Like at UNLV when I was coaching there, and Randall Cunningham was my quarterback, he'd have been a pretty good safety. He, I could have let him go both ways. But what I did, it was allowed him to be a quarterback, become a great quarterback, and I allowed him. I didn't start letting him be a punter but I, because I didn't want anything to happen to him. But I allowed him to become a punter because he was such a great punter. He averaged 47 yards a punt and was first-team All-American. A Kodak All-American is a punter. I like people to stay at what they do and do well. 
Now, again, if I recruited someone and after I explained it to him, all of this and above, and he still wanted to do that and demanded it, then I would always go through it with my promise was. I would never change my promise. Well, Coach, great stuff. Uh, fun first week of practice. we got a little time off, so maybe we can uh... – if you have any more questions for Coach, he can answer them next week before they get off. So we'll have a show on Monday. And then, of course, Tuesday we'll be back to the uh, practice field. So we'll be able to talk more about what the team was doing then. But hopefully you have sent in your questions. If you got them for Coach, positive, negative, whatever you got. And we'll do our best to answer them again uh, next week. I think we'll have Dan Weber probably on the show. And uh, maybe even uh, Gerard Martinez or something. Who knows? We might even talk some hoops, Coach. USC's in the basketball tournament. So we could talk some sh- hoops with Shotgun. So check back. We'll have more shows this week. Even though USC has the week off, we will definitely not take it off. We'll we'll bring you more stuff. But um, thanks again, Coach, for for coming on. It was always fun. I want to thank all of our listeners out there. And Reggie, I want to thank you and everybody that does listen to our podcast weekly. Ryan, you do a great job. And you guys, I don't know if uh, you're on spring break, if you're a college student out there. All I want to say is be safe, be careful, use common sense. Because we don't want want anything to happen to anybody out there. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Coach, and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Don't forget, check out uscfootball.com. we got our Spring Ball Central page with tons of content up from the first week of USC Spring Football. We'll talk to you next time. We'll do some more shows this week. And here's a quick message from our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 